Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host Paul Bishop or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire, spend some time talking with friends and writers who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is acclaimed writer and vice president of the Western Writers of America, Phil Mills Jr., In 2010, Phil was a WWA Spur Award finalist winner for Best Western Audiobook for his novel, Where a Good Wind Blows. His illustrated children's books, Gooder the Cowdog and Mud Between My Toes, have received critical acclaim. His experiences include being a small-town newspaper editor, farm magazine editor, and work with two major advertising public relations agencies. The second book in his Good Wind series, Where the Wildflowers Dance, was reviewed earlier on the Six Gun Justice podcast and is available now from Five Star. Howdy, Phil. Good morning. How are you? We're good here. We got some sunshine, and I hope you're doing well. We got sunshine in Texas, and everything's really good here right now. In the past, you and I have shared our experiences about growing up in the rural Midwest. Did you read a lot of Westerns growing up? I did. I grew up in central Missouri, and my mother was an avid Zane Gray reader. She read them all, I think. Well, I got introduced to Zane Gray early on, and then, of course, Louis L'Amour was there, and as I was growing up, I was exposed to all of that, so it was a natural fit. My dad was born in central Montana near Cascade, and that's the artist, Charlie Russell Country. In fact, my grandfather knew him and cowboyed with him for a time, so it was a natural combination of my interest in the Western and the fact that I had family from Montana, so put the two together, and it was a perfect storm, if you will. Did you get stories about cowboying? I didn't get as many as I would have liked to have done because I didn't realize I was going to be writing Westerns. I just enjoyed reading them, the whole genre of the Western. But of course, I'm of an age that I grew up watching all the Westerns on TV and all the movies you would see at the time, John Wayne, all the way back to Gene Autry, Roy Rogers. So I grew up around all of that, where you read it or saw it or it was on TV, all the TV shows, all the movies. If you had any interest at all, it would be encouraged. When did you decide that you wanted to write? That's funny. I was in junior high, and we had a teacher there that came to our elementary school, and that's a small town in central Missouri. She had gone to the University of Missouri, and she was really inspiring to get us involved in writing and doing things. I think I was in seventh grade when I wrote my first little short story, and she was so encouraging at the time that I just followed into it. I tell this story, and I'll make it brief. I didn't take my studies as good as I should have or make it as important as I should have. Anyway, when I was a junior in high school, a bookmobile came around, and I got a book out. And one day, the English teacher came around. She said, all right, you've got your books now. I want to know what they're about. I hadn't even read mine. So when she got to me, she says, Philip, I want to know what your book's about. So I made up a story. I didn't think she would ever read the book anyway. She said, well, that's great. I'm anxious to read your book report. The problem with lying is now I have to write a book report on a book that doesn't exist. (laughs) So I did. And she handed it back to me. She says, give credit for where you got this information. And I'm like, well, I either got to admit that I made it up or whatever. So I said, it's my work. And I got an A on the thing. And I thought, if I could fool her, maybe I do have some writing ability. So that really got me going. And as I got into college and I got more and more interested in it. (laughs) That's great. Here we are all these years later, and you've got a new book out from Five Star, Where the Wildflowers Dance. How did your Goodwin series come to be? I wanted to write a novel, and I set it in southeastern Wyoming. I initially had planned for it to be a standalone book. Once it came out and my agent read it, she said, Phil, this needs to be a series. They need a trilogy. And then I got getting phone calls and emails. And people said, what happens to Sarah? And what happens to Jake? And did they get married? 
what? Who are they talking about? And I realized they were talking about the characters in my book. And so I thought, wonder what happens to them next? So I thought, I better go ahead and try to do this trilogy thing. So the next book, the one that just came out, Where the Wildflowers Dance, is the second of that. And the third one I'm actually working on now, Where Cold the Waters Run, that'll be the third in the trilogy. It started out as I just wanted to write a book and make it a standalone. Then there was so much interest in it, so much interest in the characters that I felt compelled to continue their story. And that's what I've done. I enjoyed the book so much. The bad guy, Jason Kelly Neal, is one of the most heinous guys I've read about for a long time. He's a great bad guy. But also, the way you describe the geography of southeastern Wyoming, western Nebraska, I could really feel that. I grew up in Nebraska, so that really popped. Have you spent a lot of time in those areas in Wyoming, Nebraska? Two things. I grew up in Missouri, like I said, and we would go to Montana quite a bit to visit relatives. And so I went out there several times. And then I've taken several trips out there, and this may sound a little crazy, but sometimes I like to take a tape recorder with me, and I'll go out in the middle of essentially nowhere, get out of my car, get out of my truck, whatever, turn my tape recorder on, and just sit there and listen to the birds and the grass, just try to get a feel for the area. I try to notice the grasses and the clouds and the mountains and everything, and I'm playing that into my tape recorder. And sometimes I won't listen to it for six months. And then when I do, it's fresh for me and it gives me a true what I was feeling at that time. And then I try to convey that in my story so that if it's the first time there, I want you to feel like you were there, just like you just said. That's great. That's what I'm trying to achieve. You also wrote a few children's books. What can you tell us about them? How did they come about? Well, I have four grandchildren, and now I've got uh, three bonus grandchildren that recently got married, so I've got seven now. And I really started out to write just some stories for my kids, my grandkids, something that would be good for them to read, enjoyable for them to read, but yet have some sort of a lesson there, too, about helping people or doing the right thing or being responsible. And so I tried to create a dog or some sort of character there or maybe one of the kids in the book to have some life experiences and how would they react to that and what is their thinking behind that. In fact, in Band at the Cow Dog, she goes out to visit a horse and leaves the gate open and somebody else gets blamed for that. So the question is, does she accept responsibility for her mistake or does she let this other person take the blame? And so eventually she does go ahead and accept responsibility for it. But it's a life question that we all face, even as adults every day. And I want kids to experience some things along that too. What would your reaction be? So they started out as just some stories for my grandkids, uh, Mud Between My Toes, for example. Many of the things in that story I experienced with my grandparents growing up on the farm. And so I just wanted to try to put those down on paper so my grandkids could experience it. And what I'm finding is that there's been a tremendous reception among kids and families and parents around the country to those those stories and those experiences. So that has been very gratifying. That's really wonderful. Do you, you think you'll do some more? I've actually done one more. It's not published yet. It hasn't even gone to a publisher, but it's been written. I actually wrote it for a competition in which children's stories could not be published yet. And so I wrote it and it's called Tommy the Tugboat Turtle. It's a fun story. And so I'm hoping to get it in process sometime next year. These books are different than the novels you've written and that you had to work with an illustrator or the publisher had an illustrator. How did that work? In the first case of Scooter the Cow Dog, I found a local artist, very talented artist, Michael Melson. He was living in Georgia at the time where I lived in Gainesville. And he's, I think, in Montana now. Tremendous artist, a very talented person. So he and I got together and he did the illustrations for the first book. The next two, Mud and Bandit, 
I actually worked with a publisher. They gave me a list of artists that they knew and that they had used before. And then I looked at their work and chose some that I wanted to work with. There was actually three books there. Scooter, I worked with Michael. Mud, I actually worked with a couple of artists in uh, the Atlanta area that were very good, very talented. And then I took that artwork to the publisher and I said, I already got this work done. That was Robert Brooks and Cindy Smith. They did a great job. So I, again, went local to find some artists that I knew. And then on the third book, Bandit, I used an artist that I had picked from the group. The mascot books gave me to choose from. She did a great job. I mentioned things and she corrected or she would change it. And then she added some things that I thought made it even better than I envisioned. So all three of those are beautiful books. I like the art in all three of them. They're just wonderful. I'd like to ask you about the Blue Cottage Agency. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I think they do wonderful work. I know they've worked with you. What can you tell us about Krista and the people there? Krista is, is very talented. When you work with her, you're getting a professional. I felt like I needed a publicist, somebody that could help me set up some book signings or at least do some marketing. And what's interesting, I spent a long time in the advertising public relations business and, and I can market a lot of products and that thing. But when it comes to marketing your own work, I have trouble. So I went to a professional and I couldn't have picked anybody better. Krista and her Blue Cottage Agency has been tremendous. She gives you a, a package of plans and things that you've got to work on, everything from your website to promotional things that you need to be doing. And she's very thorough about following up with things. And Blue Cottage has been excellent. She's got a lot of great clients, and I'm very fortunate to be one of them. You and I are both fortunate in that we belong to the Western Writers of America. I've met so many wonderful people there. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And so I wonder if you'll say a few words, as you're holding an office now at Western Writers. What do you think? Where have you been with them, with the organization? Where do you see the organization going in the future? Years ago, I discovered the Western Writers of America, and I thought, wow, that's a group that I need to get involved with. But I had a job, and I couldn't go to their meetings. Jim Crutchfield at the time was heading up their Roundup magazine. So I contacted him. I said, is there any way I can get the magazine? Because this way I can be in touch without actually going to a meeting. He said, sure. So I started getting the magazine and I would read it cover to cover. That was several years before I went to my first meeting, which was in Spokane, Washington, I think in 2005, which I guess is what, 15, 16 years ago. I went out there and I, I laugh. I was so new and so raw. I went to check into the hotel. There was a man there in a cowboy hat and he was checking in for the meeting as well. And and he turned and we started talking and he said, how many words have you written? And I go, I don't know. I can tell you how many type double space pages I've got. I was so new to it, but they were so accepting. To this day, that first meeting still stands out to me. And I say that because we had a tour that we went on and I didn't know anybody, not a single soul. We went on a tour and we were walking back toward the bus. And Elmer Kelton, the late Elmer Kelton, was walking next to me. And we started talking, and it came to a point about my background. And I said, well, I've been in journalism for a long time, but I really have trouble with dialogue. So he spent about 15 minutes with me talking about dialogue as we were standing outside the bus. Everybody were coming back from the tour and getting on the bus. And he's giving me a kind of a mini seminar on dialogue. And I thought, this man has been, I don't know, six, seven, eight times spur winner, whatever it was. Everybody knows him. And he's taking time for a raw rookie who knows nothing about dialogue. I thought, if he's that welcoming, and it turns out other members were the same. You leave your egos at home when you go to those meetings. 
people say, well, it's like family. It really is like family. And I've been a mentor every year because I thought if somebody like that can give back to me, maybe I can give something to somebody else that's new to the meeting or whatever. I've been a mentor ever since. And you're right. I just took over as a vice president-elect of the WWA. As far as the future, it really is bright. We've got over 700 members now, and our membership chairman is shooting for 800 over the next year or so. And I believe we're going to make it. We've got a new program called Packing the West that we're going into schools with information on Westerns. We're going to get back more involved in the basics of writing. So our new members and our people that are just wanting to get into the writing business can get more details like I did in the beginning on how to write dialogue and how to do things. So we're getting to a lot of different areas as we move forward and we're excited about that and our membership's growing and maybe it's because of the pandemic and everything that we went through in 2020, everybody had to stay home. So they took up the pen and went to writing. I don't know, but whatever it is, it looks like we have a great future ahead of us and I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to see everybody this year. I'd like to invite our listeners to stay abreast of the WWA website and see if we can all get together this year in Colorado. That's our hope, isn't it, Phil? That's right. We're going to meet in Loveland, Colorado and welcome everybody to come out and see us. And you don't have to have been a published author to come to one of our meetings. I wasn't the first time. I gave the example earlier. I I was still working on where a good wind blows, just getting really started on it. But they were so encouraging and so helpful that when you come home from those meetings, you just want to sit down and go to work because you're so enthused and so inspired. So let's hope that 2021, we get back together and, and get moving. Phil, I need to wrap up our conversation, and I'll do so by pointing folks to your presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where they can learn more about you and your work. And I'd like to offer you the hearty six-gun justice thanks for being part of the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thanks to Phil for hanging out and chatting today. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride. <music>